Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, coming here with another podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, dogs, cats, get everyone on the show in the household. You know, give those cockroaches that are running around your New York apartment something to listen to. Uh, and as always, they can go to iTunes, Google Play, YouTube.com, Fortune Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button so you can get all the notifications of the show and all the cool Christmas present reviews that we're doing for all the products review on the Chris Voss Show and the cool Siberian Husky puppies as well. Who doesn't want to subscribe for that? I would. Uh, also, you go to iTunes and uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio is actually what I was thinking there, and subscribe there as well, or with any podcast app. As always, we have the greatest guests on the Chris Voss Show, and you'll be seeing more of them coming up with CES coming up in 2019 in January. We have today Keith Steckler. Keith is the Vice President and Group Director at MKTG Digital. He's fascinated with brand positioning, uh, particularly with design and packaging. He's enamored with how digital makes our lives easier. He's always trying to simplify it, how it works, how it looks, how it's said, and it's pretty awesome. He's uh, with MKTG Digital, which includes web and app development, social and digital strategy, content development, and video production. Influencer marketing, talent relationships, social listening, insights. Holy crap, this gentleman does it all and is responsible for their staff of 14 people. Uh, welcome to the show, Keith. Holy crap, man, you do it all on social there. That's quite a mouthful, Chris. Hey, good to talk to you. <laughs> good to talk to you again on the Sunday morning. So you, uh, work at, uh, you've worked at uh, MKTG Digital for quite some time. Prior to that, you did Pfizer, Novartis, Takeda, uh, wow, you've worked at a lot of brand name places, uh, Procter & Gamble, uh, Post New York. Uh, you've got a great resume here that you, uh, you took and sent me on your bio. Uh, so you've been, how long have you been in social now? I've been in social, what now, seven years? Mm -hmm. um, pretty much when Facebook and digital was really ramping up and, and you started to see you know, web development really move into social. So I'd probably say about seven years now. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. I got started on Twitter. I think it was two thousand eight. Yeah, when I got started on Twitter, and uh, it was crazy back then. It was just the wild west. No one knew what this new social thing was, and and everyone's like, "What? What's going on?" Even I was like, "What the hell's Twitter?" And I I did the classic thing in two thousand eight. I joined Twitter, and then I was like, "This is stupid. No one's talking back to me." And then I left for three months and. And, you know, the classic, you know, everyone comes back after a few months and goes, well, let's try this stupid thing again. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been kind of fascinating to watch them turn into an absolute media property. So I remember what the, I think I was started in 2009. And yeah. that was, uh, you know, just short updates of what you were doing today, what you ate for lunch. And it wasn't all that compelling. And to see where it is now, um, what, nine, ten years later is pretty fascinating. Yeah, at first it just looked like it was going to be more MySpace noise. And, uh, you know, MySpace reached that point where you couldn't load the pages anymore because they had so many GIFs and so right. much crap on it. And, and uh, it just kind of became stupid. But it, it did start to form a community. What's kind of funny is I have one friend still through all these years from MySpace. And really? she met me somehow on MySpace years ago. Um, and she's followed me through my social and uh, yeah, you just you just never know how it's going to work out. But yeah, it, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. 
there was a while there where it was just like uh, inane update po posts. Like people post, people were posting like, "What the hell is this? What does it mean? What, this is stupid. What's going on?" And then it went to food porn, and people yep. just started. You know, it just seemed like food became the. <laughs> you're like, well, if I want to see really good looking food, and then it became, you know, like you said, media properties, which is pretty awesome. So, your job is to work for. I believe brands like a client and yes. uh, help them promote their stuff and get it done. Yes. Um, so MKTG is more on the experiential side and we focus on sports and entertainment, music, um, a lot of, you know, entertainment properties that, that you would experience in person. And then we're charged with doing the digital, the social, whatever that may be. Awesome, man. So you guys help them uh, manage your Twitter accounts, manage your Facebook accounts, all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, and it, it vary to varying levels of, of degrees. So Sunoco in you know the, the sport of NASCAR, we were managing everything for them: community management, content development, um, creative, video production. Everything um, was being done in house by us. And um, so some brands they still want to remain you know on the keys and actually post the stuff, and so we'll create things and send it to them. Um, but for the most part, yeah, varying levels of involvement just depends on the client. And where are you guys based out of? Um, so we're headquartered in New York. I myself am based in Connecticut, about an hour east of New York. And um, what do we have seven U.S. offices, about sixteen hundred employees. Yeah, yeah. I know you guys are a big company. It's it's pretty awesome. And, and there's so much that needs to be done. Uh, I mean, it, you you mentioned it was uh, interesting. Some brands like to have their fingers on the keys and control yeah. it. I mean, we've certainly seen brands. I remember Ford had some issues years ago. And I think it was in Italy at some of their uh, posts they made. And I think a few brands have had some really faux pas crashes of PR uh, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, even even down to the one where they just weren't they weren't switching um, out of their personal account, and they posted something that should have been sent on their personal account from the brand account. So yes, there are. Um, a lot of issues that the space is, is riddled with that. And I think that's why there's all these content management systems and platforms where somebody has to green light something before it actually goes out. Um, so you can't really post with the phone and that mitigates the, uh, the level of error that you presumably would have, but you're still seeing, you know, issues right and left. Oh yeah. It's, it's still, I mean, if, if you watch like I did, did you watch the recent Google uh, testimony at uh, Congress where the CEO testified about stuff? I did. I caught the highlights. I didn't watch it in real time, but yeah, I caught the highlights. Pretty fascinating to watch guys in, in that level of power unknown how uh, social really works. And these are the guys making the rules and laws for, for our internet and our social. You know, they're, It still reminds me, I still use that term, the inner tubes from that, uh, from that uh, politician, I don't know, a decade ago or something, who, who claimed that the internet travels through giant tubes. Tube. Yeah. Pneumatic tubes. <laughs> Here's a message. Jack's at Twitter going, let me write that down and put that in the nomadic tube like they have at Home Depot and shoot that baby off to the internet. That's it. Being carried by carrier pigeons. That's right. I, I think I think one good thing that came out of the new recent Congress that we have is uh, evidently they lowered the medium range uh, of the medium age of about 10 years of people that are in Congress. So I'm hoping we could get more youthful people in there who can be like, let me let me show you what what's going on yeah. with social and and the internet and you know all this stuff and, and help you manage it. 
It's getting there. It's going to take a while. I think people are still unsure if this is really even going to stick, which is fascinating. Isn't that uh, interesting? I mean, we're, we're 10 years in now at this point. Um, I, I'm still just blown away that 10 years ago uh, this this became what it is and that it's been 10 years. Actually, it's been a crazy ride, um, especially for me where it's just been like, you know, you're on this list, you're on that list and you're and you, you you build these audiences and they just, you know, I keep, I go into LinkedIn and expand into there. Um, and, uh, but then also, you know, the, 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 the field of, of dead bodies, the Google pluses, the path apps, the, um, who else? MySpace of course is dead, but, uh, all the Facebook killers, the, you know, the 50,000 Facebook killers, that, that yep. thing kind of started to become with Facebook killers, uh, its own, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's starting to become its own pun, if you will, or or, uh, or joke. I mean, it's just any anytime someone it got to a point where anytime said we're a Facebook killer, I'm like, you're yeah, ever right. gonna be out of business next year, <laughs> right? We've we've seen that enough with Snapchat. I mean, that's the only case you need to trot out. Yeah, Snapchat as well. I mean, they maybe they should have sold at the top, but uh, you know, they the two owners did take what a billion dollar each distribution when they went public so they got their money and not terrible not terrible but yeah if, if you think you can go up against facebook and their audience to just build out a function they can crush you with their uh, monthly active users so good luck they'll just buy you block you or or whatever it's gotten to that point but yeah more and more companies I, i'm always amazed too that people don't hire more professional companies like yours i'm still amazed that 10 years into social People are still hiring. Well, um, that nineteen-year-old girl who's always looking at her phone, have her run our social, and yeah, we don't need a contract or anything. Just I'm sure she'll do what's best for the company. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, you know I, I get that if if the person doesn't have a ton of experience, um, but but I do think there's certain people that have just been born into it and just have a knack for it. You just got to find the right person. Oh, but definitely, yeah. definitely. But I mean the. The professional standards of having a professional company or person do it, I think, is is really important. They need to make sure they have contracts. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, one of the biggest flaws I've seen over the years, I'm sure you have too, are, are people that just hire anybody to manage their social account, and uh, then when it doesn't work out, they're trying to get their account back from that person. It's a disgruntled right. employee, or sometimes it's not even an employee. They were just so cheap, they hired a W nine, and then. And then the W9's like, I don't owe you anything. I built this Twitter account and it's mine now. And then you got to go to court and, you know, just the whole menagerie of, of the lazy fare that some companies take with with their social is, is uh, kind of appalling. And they're just asking for trouble when it comes down to it, especially in a really hyper, um, a hyper PR world that we live in where, you know, you can post something and, and you think it's funny and cute, and you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, and the whole world hates you. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I still, for some reason, you know, yeah, we're 10 years in, and digital and social, for whatever reason, is still at the end of the marketing plan, the end of the budget. So whatever, you know, five, six bucks we have left, that will go to social. And I think we're still <laughs> it's trying. Always, it's always like, yeah, whatever. Give us some change on the table, honey. That's it. So it's, until we can kind of turn that tide and start to lead with digital and social and some brands and some agencies, no doubt get it, but we're still in that infancy in, in some ways. And which is again, to your point, 10 years in sort of baffles me. Yeah. 
and 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 looking for professionality is really important too. I mean, I, nothing against nineteen-year-old people who, like you say, they are growing up and they and they do know the marketplace. Um, the uh, and and they live with it. So what better to put at them? You know, they know the filters like the back of their hand. But definitely putting more money into it, putting a professional setup in a putting into like what you talk about, where you know posts are checked, cleared, and and you just don't have somebody just running amok. I still find brands, uh, you know, smaller, medium, medium to smaller ones, still just kind of half, half, uh, half assing it, if you will. Uh, I, I've had sponsors that that I've just been shocked when they've tried to either manage a promotion or something that we're doing for them. And and I've had, I remember one brand said to me, they go, they go, Chris, we really appreciate what you're doing with us at at the show. But we're more of a quiet brand. Mm. Which means <laughs> like, what? Quiet brand, what does that mean? Yeah. Quiet brand. What, like, you're just going to sit in the corner and hope somebody likes you on Twitter or something? How's that work? I guess you are a uh, personality, and they didn't know how that was going to mesh. Who knows? Well, you know, I, it's not that hard to read my Twitter. But, yeah. you know, I, I, so I, I just say to them, I say, look, you know, there's a reason I, I have the accolades that I have. Well, let's show you the magic, show you the traffic, and then you decide if, you know, whatever. And they're, they're usually pretty good at that point. They go, they go okay, let, let the magic man have his little fun. But, uh, so tell us more about uh, your company, what you guys work for. Um, what are some of the stories or, or great things that, have, that you've seen in success cases come out of the work you've done? Yeah, so I think working in sports and entertainment, we really got our start in sports sponsorship. So we're the agency that negotiated FedEx and FedEx Field and a number of others that, you know, you just sort of think are commonplace. And some people may wonder how that ever happened. And so for us, we know the contracts really well. We know we have access to their athletes or their sponsored athletes. And so if it's somebody in the sport of NASCAR, um, you may have access to one driver, a team of drivers, or all of the drivers. And so as a brand who's spending sponsorship dollars, we try to move them into the area of creating compelling content. So instead of taking your 10 minutes with driver whoever of NASCAR and you want to have them sign autographs, we want to create content with them. Take stills, take video, and put that out on social. And an eight-hour shoot for us, we could get content for the entire year. And so that's really what we move to is um, predominantly what we work on is social and video content. And that's really coming out of, you know, one photo shoot with an athlete or whoever it might be. And it sustains us for a good number of months, if not the whole year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a thing where you've got to say, what are we putting out tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. uh, social is kind of like that song, what have you done for me lately? Uh, because you've got to engage your audience. You've got to keep them engaged. You've got to keep them listening. I mean, even I know in podcasts, we take the small breaks. We'll see the, we'll see the downloads drop off and, of course, the listening drop off. And then when you try and re-engage it, sometimes it won't come back right away as strong as it did. And you're like, ah, that's because they, they've got to have to listen to somebody else. Because if the one thing that I've learned with social and, and just people looking for leadership or people looking for whatever sort of content they're looking for to entertain them because most people are looking to be entertained in this world. Um, they're looking to get through the dear, dreary droll darms of, you know, life's nature of what's, what's the uh, subject matter here, always death and taxes. So, so they're looking for either some sort of improvement in life, education. Sometimes they're just looking to pass the time. Uh, I'm really bad at that. Sometimes where I work or, or where, where I, uh, 
when I'm playing video games or something, I'll, I'll have the news playing in the background or some sort of uh, educational video or something like that. Um, and uh, so a lot of people are just looking for entertainment. They're looking for stories. They're looking for life lessons. Um, and, and they're always looking to fill that void. And so they're going to find something to fill that void. And if you're putting out content, but not putting out often enough, then they're, they're not going to, um, they're going to go find someone who does and someone who right. puts out more interesting stuff than you. So it's a competition constantly for who can be the most interesting. Yeah, it's um, a lot of brands think they know who their competitive set is. And um, honestly, your, com your competitors are the internet. And so just exactly what you just said, there is so much that people can be consuming their time with. You're fighting for attention these days. And if the content's not thumb stopping or scroll stopping, you're not making an impact. And you probably agree with me here. You've got to be on all platforms. I mean, do you, do, you, do you feel the same way I do when I work with my clients? I'm like, you've got to be on all major platforms. You've got to be on Instagram. You've got to be on Facebook. You've got to be on uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter. I'm yeah. losing my brain in the old age. LinkedIn is one that a lot of people really ignore and is, is doing some really cool things and everything else. No, I do. Um, I think you have to have a purpose. And so if it is just a matter of taking a piece of content, and throwing it across all five of those uh, platforms, that's not the answer. But yes, I do think provided you have a distinct strategy and a role for each channel, no doubt. I just remember years ago when I was in New York, I saw a subway ad for the Lion King and they legitimately had at least 10 social icon logos the bottom right-hand corner. So the Lion King on Broadway is yes on Pinterest, is yes on Periscope. And it was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you have to have a certain, um, you know, strategy for this. It's not whatever just pops up tomorrow, your brand is now on. Otherwise, you know, you run the risk of just not making any sense to who that audience is. I mean, why would you exist there if the audience isn't right for you? And you, and you have these segments of where people like to go for their information. Kind of like the problem they have in politics where certain people like to go to certain news areas for their political slants. People, you know, I, I have friends that they're just Instagrammers. And right. Unless you give me content on Instagram, I'm not going to see it. Screw Facebook, <laughs> screw Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I know people that are hardcore LinkedIn. In fact, they're very, you know, professional business people. I have a big group over there. It's like 135,000 I've built on a group on LinkedIn. And then I'm maxed out on LinkedIn, so I get just tons of invites all day long. And most people there are very professional. They're looking to make money. Um, you know, a long time ago, and I, I, for, I forget who said this, so I, I credit whoever it is. I don't want to take credit for it. But a long time ago, someone made the comment. This is like 2009. They said, you know, LinkedIn is like your work. Uh, Twitter is like your bar. It's like going to the bar. And uh, Facebook is kind of like being at home. Right. You're with your family, your relatives, your pictures, your, kind of your more personal stuff. Um, and I thought I always thought that was a great analogy. Um, people, people really need to. And, and when these companies, you know, they they just kind of throw whatever's changed is left on the table to you know somebody, and they they don't sit down and go, uh, you know, why don't we have this professionally set up with a professional company with professional contracts? We know what we're doing. We have an exit strategy in case we need to do callbacks. You know, I, I've had, I've had clients that sometimes have tested me and gone, Hey Chris, if we, if we were to cancel services with you, do we, uh, is it okay if we get our email passwords or our passwords back and everything? I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause I don't, you know, we don't want a hostage or accounts or something. Jack yep. I read about that all the time. 
Uh, in fact, some sometimes when clients have left me, they usually come back, and 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 I, I can never figure out why some marketers would burn a bridge. But if you deal with other professional people, you're just uh, basically that's what I'm saying. You're just asking for trouble, and uh, it's so. Basically, you guys work to help build content, make sure it's good. Um, uh, what are what are some other examples that you guys do that really help your clients out? Um, so influencer marketing, and I know right now is a very um you know, it's a word that you're either going to love or hate right now because it's taking a lot of different definitions. But, you know, our approach is we don't see influencers strictly as amplification. We see them as content creators with us. So we bring them into the brand and we co-create with them and we, we you know, build long-term partnerships with them. Um, you know, we've, we've done work for AT&T, for example. We've given an influencer a phone, paid for it for the whole year. And you can imagine somebody in their 20s who's building a career on Instagram as a content creator. Now my phone and my plan is paid for. You know, I'm going to go above and beyond what, what the contract or the ask is. And we no doubt see that. So, um, you know, currently right now, we're working with um, IBM on their fantasy football program. So if you play ESPN fantasy football, you may be seeing that. Um, that's, you know, the social and, and the digital that you're seeing is, is done out of MKTG. So something we're proud of. I mean, we created a 10-team league, and we're talking about how IBM Watson powers that fantasy football product. So it's been a lot of fun this season. So there's a, there's a whole thing about influencers that goes on. It seems like it's been going on forever, so I don't give it much merit anymore. But, uh, you know, some people say that influencer marketing is dead, um, then they came up with this micro influencer stuff, which I just kind of giggled a little bit about. Yep. Um, and certainly when I work with, with people and companies, um, you know, I, they're getting access to my curated audience and that's basically what they're selling and engaging with. But you bring up AT&T, AT&T as a great example. There's an AT&T Note 8. Um, I think we're waiting for the Note 9 to get delivered. It's, it's been pretty tight on the availability. There's an S9 around here somewhere from AT&T. But I've been working with AT&T as an influencer since 2011, I think it was. And uh, it's been a great experience with them. And originally we were doing phone reviews with Sprint, uh, Verizon, and putting those on our channels. Uh, Sprint, Verizon, Virgin, Mobile, I mean, you name it. We were doing business with everybody back then. And <clears throat> then, like you say, AT&T developed a relationship with me. Uh, and it's been incredibly profitable for them. My, some of my top videos on there, some of the top brands that I've worked with on the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I have an influencer phone. Um, people, it's gotten to the point where people that know me in the marketplace uh, and that are in my audience ask me all the time, you know, what brands I recommend. And they, they come to me and quietly pull me aside and go, you know, we know that you reviewed, you know, 3,000 products, but which, which Bluetooth headphones do you like? And I'm like, I like these. And I do give my honest opinion, and I'm, <clears throat> as people have seen, I've failed enough products and been wickedly uh, mean to products that suck um, to a point that people are like, yeah, I think Chris has given us the honest truth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's a few brands that hate me, uh, including Apple. So, uh, but that's okay. You know, whatever. I, I speak my mind, and I think Fortunately, for some of the things that I've, I've reviewed or some of the brands that I, I haven't liked, um, it, usually I don't like them because they are consistently not good. But yeah, influence marketing is huge. And, and you you know, I've got people that are friends of mine writing books on influencer marketing. I've, I've got one kind of half kicking around. And then you've got other people going, influencer marketing is dead. And 
it's always funny too. It's usually the people who are saying influencing marketing is dead. And it doesn't matter who you're, how many followers or how big your audience is. And I usually find that's the that's the uh, the baby cry of the people who just don't have an audience and they haven't done the work to build it. So they're angry at everybody else who put the work in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think their hope is you know all the people like you have spent time amassing a following. It's not going to be worth much coming soon. But I just yeah. those days. And the other thing is people don't realize too, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, it's a constant war of attrition. I mean, I have people that follow me daily. I have people that follow me daily. Um, you know, I'm there's there's the brands just can't go on and post on social media and go, Well, you know, we made a post last week. I think we're done here for the year. That's yeah, right. Everyone just go look at that post, I'm sure. You know, they don't realize the I think I saw something on someone's website. I don't know how accurate the data is, but I was looking at somebody's website um, yesterday. I think they said the life view life of a tweet is about five minutes or something like that. I don't know if it's it's true. I'm just going off the the PR that's on their website. Uh, Twitter: the average lifespan of a social media post is 18 minutes on Twitter, five hours on Facebook, 21 hours on LinkedIn, and 24 hours or 24 hours on LinkedIn, 21 hours on Instagram. So. And you constantly have to be re-engaging your new people. You got to be selling them on why do you want to listen to me? And then, of course, you're losing your old people. Maybe they come back. Maybe they don't. You know, it's, I, I've I've gone through a huge transition with my um, follower base, where my follower base, you know, they listen to me. I'm the social media blah 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 of the week. And then next week, they're probably off to you. And you know. And, and there's kind of this consumption of this crazy sort of uh, one night, one week stand or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and brands have to constantly think about that. And then they have to constantly re-engage their new audience and get them onboarded and, you know, hopefully make content that seems interesting that they don't, uh, they don't go right back out the door again. Yeah, no, it's, it's the network effect. I mean, I, I believe that article. I think that's probably true of, of an average post from an average person. That is probably the lifespan. But the network effect allows that piece of content to travel well beyond five minutes or 21 minutes or even 24 hours. And you know, that's really where I think influencers come in. But that's certainly the, the power of social. Definitely the power of social. I mean, what's amazing to me well, we'll take AT&T as an example. What's amazing to me is I have videos that AT&T, back when they began their influencer marketing campaigns with me, I think it was 2010, 2011, there are people still watching those videos in the secondary market. They're still buying old AT&T phones on eBay or other places, and they're still engaging with those products. They're researching the products on, on the YouTube channels. I mean, I look back on it, and I'm like, I should charge AT&T a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> Lifespan of a content on a piece of content. I guess that's how you got to price it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just shocked. I'll see. I think we started doing reviews in 2010, and like once or twice a week, I'll get some comment. I don't get, you know, they don't notify me on views, but I'll get a comment, and somebody's like, yeah, I just bought this phone, and blah, 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 and they're like in the Philippines or some super secondary or third uh, marketplace where they're they're just buying. I guess somebody's unloading old Nokia phones or you know something, whatever. Um, there's still people buying the Samsung Galaxy Five and the iPhone Five, and they're watching my old videos when I reviewed them, and they're just like, "Yeah, this is a great phone." Or what do you think about this phone? Or why? You know, what's kind of interesting to me that I don't know a lot of content managers or brands think of. 
but I get a lot of customer service questions on my YouTube channel, like a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Like people, people, uh, you know, even though I've reviewed so many different videos, you can go and, and, and I hope it make it clear that I don't represent or work for any single brand. It's interesting to me how many times they come to the YouTube channel for customer service as opposed to approaching the company. Right. Yeah, no, and it's a good point. I don't think a lot of influencers take that into consideration of, am I responding to people? Probably not. Should I? Yes. But why would you do that on behalf of a brand if there's no form of compensation? Yeah. And, and so, so usually I have to say to them, I have to say, hey, look, you know, we, we just reviewed the product. You're, you yeah. want to contact customer service. But it is interesting to me. And a lot of times they're not, they're not necessarily asking me. They're asking within my community mm. for help. And, and for that thing, and you probably got like I do, if you buy a product and like you're having some sort of issue with it, usually go Google it or search YouTube on how to resolve it. Right. Um, right. And uh, it has helped companies when it comes to customer service because sometimes the community fixes the problem for you. Um, I remember years ago, I think it was the GoPro 3, and it, it got launched and it had, wow, just a lot of issues. Uh, like there was like 20 issues or something, and I bought one. Uh, and, uh, and it was just a fail. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they, they had these long websites of, of like, uh, GoPro just released the release and fixed this GoPro just <laughs> fixed that, but there, you know, but there's still this other stuff yeah. and, uh, it, it can really hurt companies. You know, it can really, it can really go big. The, the viralness of the internet is pretty interesting. Do you guys get uh, involved in many viral launches? Uh, let me think of one. It's tough when a company comes to you and they go, we want to go viral in your life. Well, yeah, that, that seems to be every brand's KPI these days, which brings <laughs> up the funny. other. Like, first of all, that's not a KPI. But second of all, no, that's not what you should be looking to do. Um, viral launches. Let me think. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've had a piece of content that similarly to what you just said, given that it's been on for a number of years, you've just started to see um, you know, the uptick in views and maybe it's because it's around a sporting event that happens every year and people are searching for something, but, um, I'm trying to think of one that we can come right. back to that one. Yeah. And, and, but, but, but to what you said though, that it's, it's better to be, I mean, you can go viral and yeah, if you want to spend a boatload of money and hire a bunch of, you know, comedic writers and, you know, do things like, uh, different brands have done with going viral, uh, and then hope you go viral cause it, it can implode. Um, it's better to make long-term content. I mean, like I say, all 3,000 of my videos, 3,000 plus, the, I think it's 3,300 or something that's on the YouTube channel or on the chrisvossshow.com. Um, it's, it's amazing how much of that content is still being used. I mean, I, I, I've told my family, if I ever die, make sure you get into my checking account that has the Google automatic payments sent to me because it's that YouTube money. I don't know. It will probably be coming to me as long as YouTube's in business forever, unless they seriously change their model. Right. Um, but it's a and it's a testament as to people are still watching those stupid videos. Like like I say, I'm I'm still amazed. I'm like I should have charged some of these companies a lot more in ad money because they have these ads that are still out there, and 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 I'll have an ad or I'll have a video that I've done. And it's just kind of plugging along. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, BuzzFeed will pick it up. Or or some sort of website, you know, picks it up and puts it on their thing. <clears throat> I kind of have the, <clears throat> excuse me, I have the same sort of thing that happens with my podcast. Uh, it's really interesting with the podcast. People go way back in the podcast and just consume it all. 
Yeah. You're just like, why are people still listening to something I did four years ago? Like, they're 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 really listening to that back then. Um, <clears throat> that's how people want to consume content. You know, it's that Netflix effect when they want. Right. It's like a bag of potato chips when you're starving or hungover or, or uh, high, and you're just like, <laughs> one's not going to do it. Yeah, no, YouTube being, uh, you know, the number one search engine. People aren't going to Google, typing something in. They're going to YouTube. They want to see it. They want to know how to do it. And, you know, even those new uh, new homeowners think they can fix anything from YouTube. So, yeah, YouTube is is the platform. My mom is, I think, 75, 76. And she lives at home. And she lives uh, in Utah, a whole state away from me. So it's like an eight-hour drive to get to her. So I can't take care of her like I probably should. Um, but she'll, she'll do her home repairs around the house or fixing like, you know, lawn sprinkler on the lawn broke, I think one time and she's like, yeah, I went on YouTube, watched the video and how to fix it and blah, 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 and done. And, uh, it's pretty powerful and pretty amazing. And I, I don't know if anybody's even charted the money that, that companies are saving in customer service thing. I remember back when we first were, when we were on Twitter, Twitter had, I think it was 42 employees or 38 they they put some crazy number of locking how many employees they're going to have and back then their their systems were all crazy and so they were constantly uh uh ejecting people and suspending people and and it was there was all sorts of crazy stuff where if you push all the wrong buttons it would suspend you uh and so there was a, a few of us that were social media leaders back then that were doing customer service on behalf of twitter and i actually wrote a, a little ebook on that sold really well um, called how to keep from getting suspended on Twitter because it was so prevalent and so um, happening so often. But yeah, brands brands really need to realize the the power of being able to have that exponentiality. I remember years ago, um, it was the gentleman who uh, funded Twitter and runs Foursquare, uh, Fred Wilson, who runs Foursquare Partners uh, in New York. He took in. Uh, talked about the exponentiality of social media and the great thing is is that this can get shared and shared and shared and shared and that's the real power of the brand and the power of of that exponentiality of getting eyeballs on something and you never know what's going to trigger somebody i've had just stupid quotes i admit i i put out or little quips or even political posts i put out and, and somebody says hey i like what you do and you know, uh, let's do business together. And you just never know where you're going to turn that key and uh, pick up clients. That's right. No, but, but to, to that point of the exponential effect, I think it works for brands and their content and their audiences. But I think that's why so many brands, smart ones, are on social for customer service. You know, I think a number of them do it very well. I think Delta does it very well. But I think it's, it's in part of knowing that if I have a gripe or something negative, my sphere of uh, people or influencer are going to see it. So as a brand, I want to mitigate that as fast as possible. Yeah, it's 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 something where you're, and you're in a constant competition with the whole world. And just when you think you're the funniest person on Twitter, there's, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot more funny people. Uh, I mean, I, I've gotten to the point where I like to be, I like to go on to different controversial viral posts or whatever is ranking in the news and read the comments. And the comment section is like the best um, and in these these little cosmos of of communities that get built around just around comments or YouTube videos or content that anyone's putting out, they kind of become a life of their own. 
a cosmos of their own, a uh, tide pool of these organisms that float around this thing. And it really becomes theirs. I mean, I have people that still to this day will approach me and they go, hey, remember that one post you made or that one video you made? And, oh, my gosh, that's the one I always remember on you. And you're like, really? That, that, that one? Idiot content that I made that I thought no one's ever going to see this. Press send. Uh, <laughs> And then you think about all the ones that you did. You're like, I slave for tens of hours to make that one post that no one liked. And you remember that one? Yeah, you never know what's going to have an effect on somebody. But that, you know, I think we talked about it in the beginning of you can't just push something out once a week and think you're done. So that's that's the reason that you need to be looking at multiple things a day and, you know, multiple things a week. Sure. And and it's for that reason. Who Who is the audience? And what is each subset going to get out of it? And you never know what's going to pop off. And, and I'm amazed at how many brands, uh, and these are not large brands because large brands these days are spending the good money with companies like yours. Um, but I'm amazed at how many brands don't even monitor their results. Like they're just like, well, uh, we, we got the, the social guy, the one we hired, and uh, we're not sure what he does. It's some magic in a room somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he, he's making like five posts a day, so we should be the money should come anytime now. Right. And they're not monitoring like is anybody listening? Is anybody engaging? Or worse, they're not engaging back when people are. You know, I, I'm doing a whole lot of CES work right now, bringing on sponsors for coverage of the Chris Voss show at CES. And I'm just blown away as to how many brands I'm, I'm talking to that uh, when you go to their websites, their websites are either down or no one's answering their Facebook fan page for their company. You're just like, and they'll even have the bot. They'll have the bot on Facebook, yeah. but you know, the Autobot yeah. <laughs> talks to you and you're like, Hey, you wanna, and you're like, is there anybody alive over there? Is everyone dead at the company or something? Like, do we need to send a uh, welfare call over there or something? Hello. Hello. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, set it and forget it mentality in digital and especially social. Um, even if you put something out there, they think their work is done and, you know, there's so many things you can learn about the content and how people are consuming content, even something as easy as, you know, something like 90%, if not a little less or a little more of videos are, are watched without the sound on because people are commuting or they're somewhere where they don't want to throw headphones in. So that's why we're seeing such a rise in, you know, captions and text on screen It's because nobody's listening to this. So if you think about a, um, a piece of advertisement or content that, that you can't hear, you know, how effective is it? And I actually saw a jewelry ad. I don't know if it's Kay or Jared or whatever it is, but it's the one you might've seen. It's the one where um, he's asking a young boy if he has permission to ask his mother um, to marry him. But if you watch that ad with the sound off, it's a guy proposing to a little boy. So that's why this is very important <laughs> that you hear what's going on oh in the ad. Uh, that, that's very true. I never, I never thought about that. I remember there used to be – someone wrote a review of David Letterman one time. And they said, if you watch David Letterman, he's funny. But if you listen to him, you go, what the hell's going on? Yep, yep. Because totally you've it. got to see those facial expressions and, and, and some of that in the comedic delivery to really get where he's going with it. Um, that's one challenge I have. Uh, I, I'll have people say, to, I'll be like, Yo, you know, we changed some things in the videos on, on YouTube. What do you guys think? And they're like, Chris, we don't, we don't watch you. I mean, seriously, look at this mug. No one watches this face. Um, there's no one tuning in going, let's look at Chris. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, my audience will tell me, they go, no, we listen to you. We listen to you in the car. Um, we wander around the house, play your videos, and do chores. And I'm like, you're washing the dishes while you're listening to me? That seems rude, but however you want to consume me. And so that's what people do. And I'm like, you don't even watch the product videos? No, we'll listen to them. And then if we know we need to see the product, we'll look at it. And there's the product there. And But, you know, we're more interested in hearing about the product and what your opinion is of it than than actually looking at you. Now, I'm sure that if I was a pretty young girl and uh, everything else, uh, I might I might get a few more views where people are like, we want to see Chris on screen. <laughs> yeah, you oh. might. No, the, the power of the voice and the rise of podcasting. I mean, people don't need to see it. I think it's more of a, it's easier to multitask. You know, yeah. you can just hear something and do whatever else you got to do. I mean, I do the same thing. Like I said, a game, I'll, I'll play the news in the background on the TV behind the monitor. I actually have a monitor and a TV behind it. Nice. Uh, so that I can, you know, it's we've we've got so addicted to multitasking that uh, we're just consuming just all this stuff. And, and brands that work with companies like yourself have to ask themselves, how do we cut through all the noise? How do we cut through all the competition that is out there? Uh, there's... There's always somebody trying to be funnier, and it's the internet and the world. You're competing with them. I mean, right. every time I think, I'm like, ah, I came up with something really funny, a spin on this story or whatever, and and then you go on the internet, and you'll see the first five comments, and you're like, oh, wow, they, yeah, that's they beat me. That's funnier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that's right. uh, you know, then you've got, you know, the daily things people are going after, like Monday Motivation, uh, Fall Friday, you know, used to be big, and then you know, this it seems like there's a different day of the week every now and then where you got to hit certain targets, you know, the the trend on Twitter or whatever, and you got to know what's trending on the different things. And um, certainly, Facebook has changed over the years. That's been an interesting thing to try and uh, figure out what Facebook is doing. I, I told all of my clients, brands, and friends years ago, I'm like, Facebook will eventually charge for access to that. They're like, no, it's 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 awesome. They're just gonna, you know, you're just gonna Bill and her fan page, I'm like, no, they're going to charge you someday. They're going to wait until everybody gets in the prison, then they're going to lock it down. And sure yeah. they did. And, you know, now brands are having to deal with, you know, these walled-off content garden issues and pay-for-play pay sort of thing where you've got to pay to advertise. And, and I think that's appropriate. I mean, it is an advertising forum. It is a, a place for ads. I mean, you, you can't certainly work for free and give away a free product without you know, charging somebody for something. Yeah, no, that's right. I think so many people forget that they are the product on these platforms. They have so many gripes about them. And it's like, do you pay to access this stuff? And the answer is no. And you're, you're giving your data. That's your pay. That's your entrance. Yeah, I'm just waiting for uh, Zuckerberg to send me my first check. I mean, it's been 10 years. It should be coming any moment now. I would think so. Here's yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Probably, must be using the postal service. You know, it takes a couple <laughs> Don't get me started on the postal service. Yeah, we don't have a few really good people work at the postal service, though. <laughs> um, it's it's a, it's a slight few. Yeah, I have a really good postal gal uh, uh, right now, but in my prior prior house, it was a nightmare. Oh, something else. Yeah. yeah so, what are some other things uh, people need to know about your guys' brand? Uh, what your guys' company does? What you do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we are looking into you know what's current right now. I think everybody's now it's on to the what's my VR idea, and there may not be a VR idea, but I think in sports and entertainment there probably is a VR or an AR idea. So you know we're we're doing more with that, and I think we're trying to figure out how a live experience can be amplified, or how if you can't make it to a live experience, how do you feel as if you are 
you know, just as intimately uh, there as, as any guest sitting in the front row. So it's been a lot of fun, you know, the last three years. I've only been with MKTG about three years. Um, was in pharma advertising before that because I thought it might equate to me feeling better about myself, and it did not. Um, you know, and pharma companies have massive budgets, and I just saw the ugly side of that as well. So it's been a fun run with sports and entertainment, though, and I've been, I've been quite happy at MKTG. And, and people love that sort of stuff. I mean, people are loyal to their fan brands. I mean, I've been a Raider fan all these years in spite of how many times that we just have losing seasons. Yeah. I just have to remove all the knives and sharp objects from the house every Sunday if I watch a game. Usually, yeah. I, usually I quit watching football about four games in with the Raiders. No, uh, you're, talk, you're talking to a Giants fan. I hear you, bud. <laughs> it's, it's tough. But, yeah, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the brand. I'm a sucker, I guess. Uh, I think a year or two ago, I was like, you know, I really should just get me another team, <laughs> like the Broncos or something. Yeah, uh, it's fun. No, it it's is been- what it is. I flip political parties back and forth, but I'm still with the Raiders from mm-hmm. being a kid. So I suppose working with uh, sports brands is a good thing. What do you see the future? What do you see coming into the next year, 2019, being big? Is VR ever going to take off? And they are ever going to take off to where people are just using it incessantly, or or what do you think is going to happen in 2019? Yeah, I think it definitely can. It's going to take a little while for the headsets and what you have to wear to become a little less cumbersome. Um, and it's getting there, but it's not there yet. I don't, I don't think you have. It's much like Google Glass. Um, you know, the select few were wearing it, and they were sticking out. And once it becomes a little more passive and a little more, you know, um, doesn't hinder what you're already doing, I think it definitely could be. I think um, as you're seeing, every everything right now is centralized around chat, even Instagram right now with now you can send somebody a voice memo or voicemail, if you will. So I think as, as every social network becomes successful, they inevitably you know cram a chat function in there. So I think all the networks are really, or all the platforms, if you will, are really starting to look much like each other. So it's... Um, you know, trying to figure out what the point of difference is. And I think, um, you know, chat's going to be big, but I also think it's it's going to be taking your sphere of friends or the people you've amassed along the way and then figuring out how best to communicate them and, and where best. I don't know if it's an arms race to continue to, you know, gain more followers. It's kind of putting out the best content you have with those that you do and, and on the platform that you found the best success. It definitely is. LinkedIn seems to be making a lot of progress to becoming a more social network, and and uh, you know they've added where you can now post videos. Um, you can you can do more engaging stuff. Um, there was a brand you referenced earlier, which reminded me of something. Uh, Google Google Glass. I remember Google Glass, and I actually still miss Google Glass. I wish they would uh, kept that thing going and and made some iterations. I didn't like wearing glasses. I don't like wearing glasses. I don't think most people do. That's why we have contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, my friends, like I have some friends, they love VR, like my good buddy Robert Scoble. And and he loves VR. He loves AR. He loves wearing the, the, the stuff for hours and the joysticks. Um, but I can't, I can't do that. I mean, I love to game. I have a huge gaming community. It's part of my audience, a giant Discord. And... <clears throat> I love to game and I love VR gaming for, I don't know, about a half an hour. Once that thing becomes this sweaty mass of, of goo and stuck to my face and my head's like, I'm tired of holding this thing. Right. Um, 
it just gets a little too much. And, 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 uh, I don't know if maybe it's because of my age or because of not being born into this era, you know, maybe millennials like it a lot better than I do. Um, but, but wearing that thing on your face is just a lot of stuff. I mean, even when I look at Google glass now, I'm like, that was really non-obtrusive and, and actually really efficient in the way that it was set up and, and the way you could view stuff. But for VR, you do have to have that thing. So it's going to be interesting. Um, are you guys going to CES uh, 2019? Yes, um, we will have representation there. I think we, we typically do there as well as South by Southwest. And, um, you know, South by Southwest is just becoming such a, a large, you know, thing these days. I mean, I remember the years where it was such a small community, but as all good things do, they just get massive and unwieldy. And here we are. I wish they'd move that thing to Vegas. Yeah, this that would is, be good. It's too big for that city. Yeah, Austin. Austin's a lot of fun, but not not during that week. Yeah, not during that week. I would not want to like if I lived in Austin. I'd just like go leave. on vacation that yeah. week. Yeah, leave. But it, it's it's a it's, it's South by Southwest. I love South by Southwest. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of craziness. It's a lot of work to fly in there and do stuff and promote brands. Um, it definitely is harder because you have stuff spread out of the city and, and trying to get your messaging there. It's very different than CS where everyone is, is kind of locked into the CS sort of area. Um, any trends that you want to predict coming in 2019? Don't want to put you on the spot, but Ooh. anything you, you want to plug for 19 that you think is going to be big or huge or advanced? I think the, um, it's interesting. The VR I think could be a lot of fun just for certain things. I like it in sports. I like the ability to watch a game and be courtside. And a lot of people will never sit courtside due to the price in their lifetime. And so I think that could be, you know, rather compelling. So with certain things like concerts and, and all that, but there's so much I see at CES, robotics and all this stuff, and it would be great, but, you know, we're years down the line <laughs> from that. So all these things are, are, are great in theory, and it's all now about, okay, how do we put them into practice? Yeah, in fact, a uh, plug for CES, uh, I think next week on the 19th, we have uh, Robert Shapiro, the CEO, and C, uh, uh, the CEO of CTA and CES, who will be on the Chris Vosha podcast. Nice get there. there you go. Um, so we're going to have him on talk about CES 2019. It's always a struggle to get him early. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he's a really great guy, um, really brilliant guy. Uh, but so we're going to have him on to talk about what's going on at CS. But yeah, you're right. A lot of stuff at CS is kind of two or three years in the future. I mean, even when I look at products at CS, I'm like, when are you going to send that to review? They're like, I don't know, September, December. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, that'll be the next CS. Yeah. Like, at the yeah. earliest, September, December of that year. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. hard. It's and cool. You're like, I'll, I'll just see it at the next CS. How about That's that? Right. Well, if it's out. No, it, it's cool as a playground and a, and an inspiration and it's all of those things. It's, it's great for but practicality. It has never been. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting uh, show. I love going to it. It's just like a giant toy store mm -hmm. uh, and seeing all the toys, seeing all the innovations, sometimes uh, seeing the board ones I've gotten good enough and I've gone for so many years now where I know which booths is just to walk by like nothing new to see here. I don't, you know. Yep whatever you've got, what everyone else has got. I'm, I'm looking for something kind of interesting that's yeah. going to stick out that our audience is going to go, wow, that's really cool. Instead of like, uh, uh, visit the iPhone case booth. Here's that. Not to knock people in yeah. their iPhone case booth. This is CES. No. 
You may want to talk to them soon. You don't want to knock any. Hey, you may want to advertise on the Chris Voss Show podcast because we'll be doing the podcast at the show. Yeah. Um, no, but, last uh, year, last year I saw that uh, that robot that folds and sorts your laundry, and it's like, man, that would be great. But like, when's that coming? You know, it's yeah. You know, and how much does it cost? Like, do yeah, I got exactly. a mortgage? Do I got to sell one of the kids' kidneys yeah. to buy that thing? Yeah, I mean, exactly. technically, the reason I had kids is to have them fold the laundry. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I'm still looking. I, I'm looking at adopting at my age several small children. I, I need one that can game very well in the game Destiny from Bungie um, because I need them to work my characters every week. I need one to do laundry. Uh, if I had if I had another child, I would send it to uh, that Cordon Blue School of Cooking. You know what I mean? And uh, like six years old, I just it'd be like military school. I just ship the kid off to a cooking school so he can come back in a couple years and be like, hey, eight year old. Make daddy some uh, creme brulee or some kind of crap like that. There you go. And uh, that would be their job. And I just, I just give them a little bed in the kitchen, right by the sink, so they can, you know, they know their place in the ecosphere of the, the environment and their their value of worth of delivery to daddy. Jeez. And then I send another one to massage school, so you know I can get my back massage, my feet massage. Um, somehow, I, this is probably the reason I'm not a dad is because I know that none of that's ever going to work out. Tough, tough household over there. I hear you. You might yeah, want they're, to. They're just, yeah, my dogs are the same way. I'm yep. always like petting them, rubbing their back. And I'm like, when does dad get, can you rub dad's back? I'm always rubbing your back and give me your treats. What, why don't you go get me like a treat or something? Like run to the store and get a beer or something. <laughs> dogs have it figured out. They certainly do. Yeah, I have huskies too. They just kind of look at you and go, that's nice. We'll get back to you on that. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to do something else. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting what, where things are going. It's going to be interesting where social is going. Um, do you, do you see, do you see in the next year or in the next future of social, do you see just basically the brands get more powerful LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest. It just, it just becomes more of the silos of these brands. Uh, it doesn't seem like any Facebook killer can mount a, um, attack on Facebook and, and, you know, blow it up. You know, a lot of people were joking for so many years about how there's kind of a lifespan of these social media networks based upon MySpace's lifespan. And, and there's all sorts of people who've tried to bet that when Facebook is going to die, in fact, they just saw somebody trying to start another lead Facebook campaign, which is always funny that they post that on Facebook. Hey, everyone, screw Facebook. Leave now. Like this post, by the way. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's been interesting, you know, with, with the power of the internet and you can go anywhere and there's all these sites and, you know, you could spend so much time and now we're you know, really truncated to a handful of sites. It's, it's gotten down to that where yeah. everybody spends their time. Same with their phone. You know, it's the same four or five apps. Yeah. So, yeah. It's hard. I think MySpace, as we, as we both know, is just well before its time. And yeah. you know, now with, with the audience and monthly actives that Facebook has, it's incredibly hard to to put a dent into that. Otherwise, if you do, they'll just buy it, rip it off, or do something else, and then you're, you know, hung out in the cold. Well, when Google Plus came out, I was one of the first people to call it. Uh, it at first, it was kind of exciting, but within about six months, I was saying, this isn't going to fly. This isn't going to work. Um, and I could see people, you know, people like my good friend Robert Skull were coming over, but his wife was going, but our family's over here, and our right. family's not over there. And I want to post pictures for our family and our relatives, our grandma and grandma and cousins, all that sort of stuff. And they're all over here. We're all talking. And 
why do we want to go over there? It's like, we're over here. You know, it's everyone's in that favorite restaurant for Thanksgiving or whatever they want to go to. You know, uh, my mom, she likes certain restaurants that she likes to go to and, and they're very family oriented. So I think that's, that's kind of the draw for her, but she likes the food. She knows what she's going to get. And Facebook kind of reached that point with consumers where, you know, there's a familiarity that people like. <clears throat> but the other thing I, the other reason I predicted the failure of Google Plus back in the day, and man, I got a lot of arrows for it, um, was the fact that it was taking too much oxygen out of a room that there was already too much oxygen uh uh, that was being taken out of it and very little available. And I said, you know what? People have LinkedIn, they got Twitter, they got Facebook, they've got, you know, Instagram. I don't think there's room for another social media network to be in the room without uh, and, and be able to get oxygen to live. And I was correct. It was, it was, uh, people were just, it was just too much, too many apps that you flip to. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, for years, my arguments with people whenever something new comes out, like, this is the hottest thing. Like, give me your opinion if you want. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot either. Uh, what do you think of IGTV? Is, is that taking off? Am I not paying enough attention to that? Or No, it's, it's uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say that's dead at the risk of saying something on your show that would, you know, denote something like that. 10 years from now, it'll be like the biggest thing. You're like, he said this in yeah. 1999. <laughs> On the Chris Walsh show, um, you'll be running. You'll be running for president or something, and people are like you'll be you'll be hosting the Oscars. And they'll be like, "What did he say about Instagram TV?" Yeah. Oh, they bought Facebook. Oh, what an idiot! <laughs> no, it's um, it's a tough go, and I know they were trying to compete with YouTube, and you know the yeah. amount of hours and time spent on it, but it's just not been adapted the way I yeah. think people that they Facebook thought. Facebook has so. been trying to chip away and and uh, climb that hill too. I just saw some new video spin they're trying to do on their site to to go with YouTube and and uh, YouTube is just the TV of this generation, man. Yeah, I haven't figured out why. Um, you know, when Facebook bought Instagram, why they didn't bring over some of the you know privacy or settings, if you will. So you know, for me personally, my Instagram is is personal, it's private. I don't let a lot of people into it. But what if I could post just as I can on Facebook where something could be public, something could be for these five people, something could be for this batch of close friends. And, you know, much like you can do on Facebook, I've never really understood why they haven't adopted that for Instagram. I, yeah, I, I think uh, I, don't, I think they just served a market. They let, they let it say, well, this is a different segment for those people who want to maybe be more private. It is a more intimate platform on Instagram um, that you you – I don't know if it's because of the photos um, that, that seem to be more intimate. Um, you, you know, you know people will post stuff on Instagram that, that are just more, you know, they'll post their kids. Like, I know people won't post their kids on Facebook because, you know, there's all sorts of creepy stuff on the Internet and people. Um, but they'll post them on Instagram. And maybe it is because those controls are there. And I think maybe Facebook did it just to differentiate the brands. Like, here's our brand over here that's very public and, and here's you know Instagram where you can be the thing. What's what's uh, kind of amazing to me? I had heard I given up on them a long time ago, um, and I guess Yahoo hadn't. Uh, I guess Yahoo paid them when they were almost bankrupt um, and bought them out for two billion dollars. But Tumblr, I mean Tumblr just hasn't seemed to be going anywhere. I just recently heard that they're going to try and eliminate porn on their website, which is out of control. About the time I left several years ago, I was like. Jesus, does anybody, somebody put their kids on here? Holy crap. I mean, there's, 
yeah. blatant porn going on this thing. It's not, it's not cool. Um, and uh, I guess now they're trying to attack with AI and you're just like, do you, do you really want to save that turd? I mean, I no, no, that, that one's done too. And you know, it, it has been done for a while. Unfortunately it yeah. was once Yahoo got their teeth into it, forget about it. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not been a viable, you know, platform for a very long time. I mean, we, we saw the downturn of, of Reddit and now that's back up. So it's feasible that it could take a upswing. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote podcasts off early on. I, we, we started the Chris Foster podcast and then we stopped for a few years. I'm like, yeah, this isn't going anywhere. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day and I was like, podcasts are it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I read it the same way. Read it. Reddit used to be this cesspool that I avoided of just ugly, toxic, you know, there was a lot of weird porn and weird stuff going on on there. It was kind of like the the nine, what is it, the nine gag or the, one of those other ones now that's kind of become the site of, of cesspools. Um, and, uh, and now it's back. Now it's almost a news agency that I turn to almost daily and go, hey, what's going on over there if you need to laugh? Um, it's still got a really hard way to post and share data, but maybe that silos it better. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, same thing with, um, I was on, I was on Craigslist not too long ago. I hadn't been on in a very long time. And it's amazing that that platform has not changed one bit over the years. You know, I've hung out with him. Uh, what's his name? Something Craig, I uh, hung out with him at Dent one time and had dinner with him. Really nice guy. Very quiet guy. He loves birds. Like he's really into birds. Um, and, uh, he's just a minimalist sort of, you know, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I should be calling him a minister, but he's a real down to earth guy. Let's put that way. Very simple guy, very nice guy. Uh, and I think that's the way he likes Craigslist. But when you look at the unicorns that have come out of Silicon Valley, they're all based upon someone did this a long time ago. I don't, I don't know who it was. They, they did an analogy of all the popular posting areas of Craigslist and what they've become. Like, you know, Uber and eBay, of course, is, uh, is, is a feature, you know, selling stuff at auction and everything else. Um, all the, all the different aspects of, of some of the different things of, uh, you know, dating apps, you know, it used to be, you go on Craigslist if you wanted to date. I've known people that have done that. Yep. And, uh, you know, now you go to Tinder and you go to these other things. And so basically a lot of these unicorns just came out of pieces and parts of, of uh, Craigslist and, and serve those functions and just expanded them into a full blow app to serve a community. That's it. Yeah. He's uh, started and fostered a lot of communities that have gone elsewhere these days, but <laughs> I, I always figured that was the, the reason um, for him, just him personally, that's what he believed in, but it's, it's been fascinating to jump back on after years of not using it since leaving uh, New York, I guess, and finding nothing has changed. It's great. Yeah, it's just it's just that simple simple thing, and I guess they're making enough money. Uh, yeah. You know, I, like I said, I met him. He doesn't seem like he's the sort of guy who's like, I want to make a billion trillion dollars. I think I think he's put off some uh, invites to buy him out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people wanted to change the site and turn it into something else. But yeah, it's been pretty interesting how popular that site uh, still has been, and uh, you, you just never know what some of these different things are going to do. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Reddit, I mean, I know Reddit, Reddit has cleaned itself up. I think some of the different things they put into place with their moderators, where they, where they, they kind of put the clamp down, I think a year or two ago where they said, Hey, look, some of the toxicity has got to come down. 
and now when you go into their uh, areas, you see like that little statement they have, like, you know, here's a community. Uh, one of the biggest things that, that, uh, that I had to learn after all the years of me being a social media influencer, whatever that means, uh, four bucks to buy a cup of coffee, um, is, is that uh, it's not necessarily always about building an audience. It's about building the community and having that community there for the audience. And I didn't invest a lot in properties that would have that community effect. I mean, there was Twitter, Facebook, but over the years, I, I've, I've started investing in building communities that are based around either my brand or based around some sort of thing. Like now I have a gaming community. I think in September, I started a gaming community on a Discord server, and I was pretty amazed at how big this Discord server thing has gotten. I kind of heard about them, and I'm like, yeah, what's a Discord server? I'm like, yeah, I'll figure this stuff out. Now I have a living, thriving Discord server. Uh, it's a gaming community, and these people are on there just blah, 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 chatting it up. And, of course, we're representing brands on there. And, of course, I'm, I'm promoting the Chris Voss show and gaming and, and, of course, a lot of the products review we put on the Discord. And so it's amazing to me. Uh, Facebook groups, of course, has been another big one where I, I, I'd almost rather engage and in, in be involved with a Facebook group than be uh, pu pushing my Facebook page because I don't have to pay for that. Right. That's right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of brands that I see that, uh, or people that are have just created their own communities, their own forums of brands, and and people are on there talking. Like uh, recently, the GoPro Seven came out. Uh, GoPro sent us the new Seven, which I love. Plug for GoPro. Um, and uh, there's people on there that had a, a, that I've been in the GoPro Five group, the GoPro Six group when it came out. Now they just recently noticed they changed the. The name of the GoPro 7 group has tens of thousands of people in it. Uh, some of these groups have hundreds of thousands of people. And in fact, some of the political groups that were started during the 2016, 2015 campaigns um, have hundreds of thousands of people in them and they're incredibly active. And there are these, there's these uh, uh, pools of people that, that are, you know, they're talking about what their, their passion, their interest is. And some are in photography and photography groups. Some are in gaming. You know, it seems like there's a group for everything nowadays when it comes down to it. There really um, is. Yeah. Building those communities has been really important because you've got content delivery in them, but also just creating these spaces. Uh, YouTube came out with its, um, they're, they're trying all sorts of different things, but they came out with something that was a community thing where I can go and I can post updates to the channel without having to make a video and I can talk to my channel and engage with it and, and people do comments. It really hasn't caught on, but um, creating these sort of areas where, where my community can sit and talk about my brand and uh, they can network with each other and, and, and it just becomes this, this fest of, uh, of whatever would be really great. And so I, I think a lot of brands need to look to these communities and these groups and go, how do we build a community around a brand where people are constantly talking about it with, without us? That's the real power of using influencers. I mean, I talk about at and because I love the product. Um, if I really hated the at and service, like I'll give you an example. I like Sprint. They're a very nice company. They have horrible, horrible cellular service. <laughs> and after doing years and years of product reviews for them, we just got tired of it. Um, I mean, I would, I would get... You know, I get a message be like, hey, just so you know, certain parts of Vegas we can't we can't have you go down to because you won't be able to get a signal. And I'm just like, okay. And so I, I, I as an influencer, especially working with brands like AT&T, um, found myself 
wanting something that was good for me. And if it's good for me and I like it after, you know, thousands of other products I test, then, you know, there it is. That's, I think that's recommendation. recommend, I think it's something I can recommend to my audience to take and listen to, but you've got to have people that want to talk about these things. It used to be my YouTube channel would do that where the comment sections were really vibrant and then Google plus came along and forced uh, identification and really killed the, that sort of uh, community group. Yeah, I think there's so many places to your point that that people talk about brands or things and these brands really don't know about it and, and don't care to tap into it. And I think we they spend so much money on social just yelling at people and they're not sure who they're yelling at. They need to be tapping into these communities that have already been created and fostered without them even knowing it. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I've actually reached out to my brands and said, hey, you know, this video is getting a lot of comments and you guys are getting killed on mm -hmm. the issues you, that this product has. You you guys might want to have someone start watching that that comment stream and, and I've had other brands that have come along and, and they're actively paying attention and responding. Hey, can you contact us? Uh, I've seen that as well. There are people that are using, like you said, with your company, social listening, uh, where when they see people talking about them on social or complaining about them on social, you'll get a message and be like, Hey, Hey, we heard that you're having some issues. How can we resolve it? Let's go on DM. Let's go direct to the thing. And it's amazing to me, how big of a difference that can make. In fact, I'll give you a good example is we're plugging GoPro. Years ago when the GoPro 3 did come out, I bought it myself. They wouldn't send one to me. Um, and uh, and right away it had problems. Well, we finished our review. We reached out to the company, tried to get uh, information on what was going on, could see the fault that was happening. And so we did our review. And within 24 hours, I was getting phone calls from the uh, head of communications at GoPro going, dude, you're killing us on social. You're just, you're, your post is destroying us. Um, can you please get on the phone and can we have a conversation? And so I got on the phone with them, had a conversation with them. We talked about their issues, talked about what was going on with the brand, uh, talked about how they're trying to resolve the issue. Uh, and they'd launched a set of products out to the marketplace that were failing and they had new products that they had fixed and repaired and they were going to send me one and the guy was like, just, uh, we're going to send you one and try it. If you like it, say whatever you want. I don't care. We just want to reach out to you and, and try and let you know that we, we, we do care. We're trying to fix it. We're just really, we really screwed this one up. Um, and so I did the review on it and said, you know, uh, you know, here's the situation. I was totally transparent said, you know, they sent us this new unit and yes, it's working. And, and what we recommend for people listening to Chris Voss show is that you don't buy one off the shelf. You go and order from GoPro directly because clearly the ones they're making in the factory right now are very different than the ones that are on the shelf. And that was my recommendation. And since then I've had a great relationship with GoPro and, and it came from that ugly sort of experience that we had on social. Um, and it just started out as an ugly post. that was a bad review that said, you know, fail GoPro three and it just ballooned. And by sometimes these brands don't realize is that by waiting, it just compounds and it gets worse and worse and more viral. And then you wake up one day and you're like, why is our brand on fire and the building is burning down, um, on social. And, uh, but out of it can come really great relationships. Like I, you know, I'm sitting here plugging the GoPro seven. We'll actually be using this at CS. They send me a new one every year for CS coverage. Um, and I love the product. I, it's, it's a great product. In fact, I moved away from large DSLR cannons um, 
to move to GoPro because they're just easier to do and the, and the quality of video that I'm going to take and get are awesome. Not the quality of photos that I can get from, say, Canon or Nikon or other brands, but, um, but that's just an example of how, you know, some of these relationships can last for years and if you can turn an impression around, you can save it. But if you don't, you're going to wake up one day and you've just got ugly posts on Google that somehow you got to bury. Yeah, it's fascinating to me that as a brand, you're going to launch a product and not just think, well, what if this goes sideways? What if this goes negative? We're not even, you know, looking, scouring the internet for people like you for this content that bubbles up. I think so many brands are just focused on, they they get too close to it. They, they think, of course, this is going to be positive and they expect nothing less than that. But it's fascinating to me that, that they're not proactively searching and, and doing some social listening and try to find people like yourself who are bubbling up to the top who may not have a positive reaction. And even if you did, they should certainly congratulate and thank you for it. But they're just, they're so ill-equipped, which is still, you know, as we were saying, 10 years in, it's a, it's a bit fascinating. It's, and it's harder, it's harder to get listening tools now days too. I mean, I remember back in the day, it was really nice. You had Hootsuite, you had TweetDeck that wasn't owned by Twitter and you know, how these, the, and, and kind of it's, everyone was trying to issue these different things. Uh, I remember Loic had uh, Seismic that he had where you could uh, take a listen. There was a few other different services that were out there back in the day. Um, and there, there's a lot now too as well that you can compete with and spend a lot of money with right. uh, for listening. I remember years ago, uh, AT&T, when I was working with them, they would bring about 20 different influencers or bloggers into the new phone launches. And then after a while, they they just started pulling me in. I'm like, where's everybody else? And they go, we figured out we just need you. And I go, well, how did you figure that out? And they go, we pulled your Radiant 6 stuff and, and you get better eyeballs and turns than the LA Times. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so, uh, so your, your, your price went up the next year, right? Report. Your price went up the next year. That's how you did that one. Oh yeah, but, but you know that. So, so did uh, and ATT was really smart. Their relationship with me broadened and and has been great. Um, when I lived in LA for several years, I'd I'd be at uh, I'd be the iPhone launches inside the the stores. Uh, playing with the iPhone at 5 a.m., filming and doing all the stuff and showing it to people through the windows <laughs> in the line at the AT&T store. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great relationship. And, and brands, I, I don't think influencer marketing is dead. I think brands just need to figure out <clears throat> better targets as to who's going to talk about something. Like for me, it gets to a point where I almost need a 1-800 number where people can call and go, what's the best uh, Bluetooth headphones, Chris, that you like in this price range? Uh, everyone comes to me and they go, you know, you've reviewed hundreds of headphones. What's what's the one that you keep? And they figured out that the ones that I keep are probably the best. I mean, we, we do use some sort of reference ones, like we keep multiple headphones that maybe I like the sound on them, but I don't like the feel on them. And we use those for comparisons for when we test out or review headphones. But normally the stuff that I keep is the stuff that I like. And that I feel is the best, especially when I've done it. So that's what everyone comes to me for. They go, they go, yeah, we saw your post review of what you call it, but what do you really like, Chris? Um, and so influencers have a lot of power in that. Um, I get I get asked all the time. Yeah, AT and T has kind of become to a point where people like Chris is the AT and T guy. Um, so they kind of know if they ask me, you know, what service do you like the best at AT and T? Um, and I do. I've tested. I've tested Verizon. Verizon has some really good areas in San Francisco uh, that are better than AT and T. But 
overall, and for my money, when it comes to data and everything else, I, I've had great experience with them. So, um, you know, people people have these reputations, but I think people have to be smarter. Like I saw, I saw recently, or I worked with a brand recently who talked about how they hired a bunch of pretty girls on Instagram to market their product. Well, their product wasn't really in the pretty girl segment. It was like, uh, I think it was like cases or computer. It was like computer sort of stuff, basically. And, um, and that really didn't fit the venue. And you're like, yeah, you can get pretty young girls to promote that, but that's not, you know, makeup or something or, or, you know, maybe different shampoo or other brands like that. Um, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here and get your opinion. You can, you know, if you don't want to give it to me, you, you can avoid it. But, uh, what do you think about uh, recently we've been seeing this Instagram sort of pushback where sometimes these, these sponsored posts on Instagram and they're, they're, they're sponsored. I should probably use in quotes uh, where they're hiring influencers and they create this kind of utopic sort of post that has the product in there, but it's, it's so unreal in its ad that, that it ends up getting mocked. I'll give an example. There was a there was a gal recently for I think a shampoo brand or or some maybe a skincare brand. I think it was a shampoo brand. Um, and this uh, very pretty, beautiful young girl on Instagram who does these posts. She made this post of this is how I wake up in the morning, you know. And and it was this beautiful post of her hair done, her makeup on. She's sitting in her bed in kind of some pajamas and. She's got like a bowl of strawberries and blueberries on the bed and she's eating cereal and over on the counter is the shampoo. And like everyone's mocking it going, no one puts their shampoo on the side of their desk, on, right. on the right. side of their bed dresser. That's not something you do with your shampoo. Right. And then, you know, just the whole fakeness of it. Um, what, what do you think about those? If I can put you on the spot. Uh, sure. I think there's a lot that's um, unfortunately not authentic on Instagram. And yeah. that's mainly just because people spend so much time getting that perfect shot. It's not of the moment. Yeah. It is not, you know, without hours of, of editing and making sure we get the right, you know, pose and look. Um, and the, the posts that you're talking about, I think, are brands who want to capitalize on a specific influencer and, and they think they know the recipe. And that is not an authentic partnership or relationship. And obviously, you're not going to get the most positive results from it. So, you really have to pay attention to what's working for that influencer. And if a photo like that is, that may not be the right place for you as a brand. You know, you nailed it. Authenticity. That's a really big word. Um, being authentic, being real, being honest. You know, uh, I, have, I have product reviews that say this product fail. And I've got product reviews that I have torn the crap out of the, the company's product. Um, not touring the crap out of the company because I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a review for you just like we did with GoPro where the next product you probably fix the technical issues. Um, usually when I'm most beastly to a product is when they either don't respond or don't care. Um, I've had PR companies tell me that they, they know the product is broken, but they're going to sell it anyway because they can't afford to retool it and re-inventorize it and lose all the money. So they're just going to play the game to see if people turn the product or not. <laughs> which is, uh, it's very few that times that happens. But authenticity is a really big thing. I mean, I'm not a pretty face on social media. I mean, I think we can all agree to that. Um, there might be some circles of, I don't know, that I might be pretty in, who knows. There's also weirdness on the internet, but That's right. uh, we'll go there. Uh, but, but 
I, you know, but people have always loved me because of my authenticity or my attempts to be authenticity. Let's, I think it would be an unauthentic. I can't say that word. I think it would be authentic if, if I tried to, uh, if I said I was perfect at being authentic at all times, I think that would be my own BS. But uh, the fact that people have seen me in the good, bad, and ugly, they've seen me uh, fail products, they've seen me be ugly to products, they've seen me laud products and go, this is really the, the awesomest thing you can ever have in the world, and, and have other products that go, this is trash. Um, speaking my mind on social media, there's, there's a lot of people that don't agree with either my politics uh, that I've espoused or sometimes my point of views on life that I've espoused. But a lot of people, and I'll even catch them in my social listening. I've actually had people that have caught on Twitter going, I hate Chris Voss. He's stupid. He's arrogant. He blah, blah, blah. You know, pick your verb. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, he's just, a, he's just an idiot. Uh, but I follow him because I want to see when the car crashes. <laughs> yeah. There's, I'm sure, no doubt, people that want to, you know, <laughs> they, they want to know that moment that I don't know, I get arrested or I go off the rails, uh, drive off the cliff, uh, you know, whatever. They, they, they still tune in because somehow I'm interesting, and I'm, and, and I've actually found over the years there are friends that disdain me and hate me, but they will stay my friends on Facebook and keep listening to my stuff because they're just like this idiot. Let's see what he does next. Yep. <laughs> and they're yep. just like, well, hate me or love me. As long as you listen and hit the like button. Yeah, well, it's entertainment, like we were talking about earlier. These—that's what somebody wants to sit down for an hour and spend time with you, and even if they yeah. don't like you, it's entertainment. I mean, I've, I've actually had people that have said to me um, on on YouTube, it's pretty prevalent. It used to be worse before Google Plus kind of destroyed comments, but uh, it, it used to be that people would come on and they would just say, you know, very ugly things about me. Sometimes fat shaming because I'm a big guy, and I have a few videos where I've gone to places and eaten and put on like a show and. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, the towering burgers and stuff. So, you know, I've asked for it. I've tried to entertain people, but uh, I've gotten some ugly comments. And at first it used to be hard to deal with. You're like, wow, okay. Um, you know, I've, I've had people tell me that I should, I should end my life because my review video was not to their liking. And I'm like, the value of my life depends upon <laughs> the quality of some, you know, earphones. Yeah. Um, but but uh, what's interesting to me is, is I realized that I get paid for that. I'm like, all right, so you wrote a hateful comment about how much you hate me on my YouTube channel. That just sells my YouTube channel uh, RNG rank. <laughs> you know, that just, YouTube's like, hey, he's getting comments. Uh, put him in front of more people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, thanks for that penny. I got paid on the YouTube view. <laughs> so, so if you want to call me, whatever you want to call me, knock yourself the hell out because the, the money's in the bank, baby. Yeah, if it makes people feel better, go for it. You should um, you should build a chat bot for your recommendations. That'll cut down on your personal time. I probably should. I probably should. Yeah. Uh, what I what I really I should probably I should probably just uh, I've seen people do this with videos. I think uh, the one guy who's like number one on YouTube. I forget his name. Uh, uh, I forget his name, and I want to forget his name. Um, but he's done videos on to why so-and-so sucks. I probably should do a channel on why Chris Voss sucks or I hate Chris Voss. Yes. <laughs> and then I could, I could just have a whole community of people who hate me. Like, I hate Chris Voss. He sucks. Like, I'm secretly running it behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz. Let's do it. Do it for a year. Let's see what kind of metrics we get. That's it. <laughs>
Well, it's been a great discussion, Keith, and we love having you on the show. Uh, give us your plugs again where people can look you guys up on the websites, on the interwebs, and interact with you some more. Of course. Uh, Twitter is the, uh, the place I spend most of my time. I'm at Keith S. So that's K-E-I-T-H-S. And, um, you know, next year will be 14 years in the industry. And uh, I guess some point of this past year, I really was trying to make a concerted effort to talk to uh, schools and universities and really try to Skype into college classes and help shape the curriculum and the syllabus and give a little bit of the real of what's happening in, in the world and at agencies. So if you're hearing this and you are a professor or know someone who is, I would love to connect with them because I'm finding such, you know, reward out of, out of jumping into classrooms and really helping to shape um, some college students and, and their time at whatever school or university they're spending their time. So we'd love to talk to you. Awesome. Awesome sauce. And man, you're getting right in that community of these people that were born with these phones in their hands and, and you know, all they've ever known is Instagram. They're like, MySpace, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so they're real masters of the thing. I mean, I, I've had brands that I work with where the 19 year old is yelling at me about the filters on Instagram and I'm like lazy and I'm like, oh. yeah. And they're like, oh yeah. You know, they're, and they're the professional filter maker, you know, you got to do it this way. And they're almost like their own Ansel Adams of Instagram when it comes down to it. Yeah, they're good at it. I've, I, I've just found conversely that, you know, none of them have placed a Twitter ad and none of them even know how it works. And I, I tell them, look, these properties will take your money. So even if you wanted to spend a dollar on an ad, go through the process and understand how it works because to come to an agency or come to a brand and try to be a marketer and not have that experience, I just think is a miss. So I'm trying to help wherever I can. And, and I look forward to speaking to some new people and hopefully can uh, continue the crusade. Sounds great. All right, folks. Well, we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, we have the best guests. Be sure to subscribe to the Chris Voss Show. Uh, be sure to go to youtube.com for Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button because that will give you all the mobile uh, notifications for everything we're doing. Geez, we're reviewing so many products right now. If I, as I look to my left here, uh, there's just a pile of products on the floor. We're so far behind trying to cram this stuff out for Christmas. We're starting to get all this new CES stuff. Like I got a chessboard, I think yesterday that that moves its own pieces. I don't know if you tell it or use an app. I haven't opened it yet, but evidently the pieces move themselves. Like you're just like pawn eight of whatever, and it just like magic, magic. Um, so we're starting to see a lot of the pre CS show stuff coming in. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can see all the reviews we're doing there, and of course the podcast, the Siberian Huskies, uh, and all the recommendations we're doing for Christmas as well. Uh, tell your friends, neighbors, relatives for the show to go to iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Wow, you can listen on Spotify. So you can have Metallica, Chris Voss Show, Lawrence Welk, mix it all together, listen to Mel and John, and all that good stuff. So anyway, we'll be excited to see you guys at CS. Thanks to Keith for coming on the show. Be sure to check out his website, his Twitter thing, and follow him. And, of course, do some reach out to him if you want to learn more about uh, the company he works for or reach out on how to learn how to be better at social and maybe get some of the business side of it. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to my audience. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys next time.